Adam, even though we're calling these Libra on this whole episode, I think from this point forward, we need to call these Zuckbucks. Welcome, welcome, Crypto Basic friends, family, and all of the above to the Crypto Basic Studios. It is Flagship Friday, and I'm Brent Phillip, and I'm here with Adam Levy. What's up? What's up, everyone? And Kareem is still gambling. If you have a gambling problem, please dial one eight eight eight. admit it Kareem, if you hear this, please stop gambling. Stop, stop playing poker tournaments and get back on the show. So we're here for Flagship Friday. Flagship Friday is where we discuss all the news, current events going on of the week. Because we were founded to give the crypto community a place to learn about their favorite projects and the goings on from the ground up from a perspective that is basic this week we're taking a little bit of a different approach this isn't going to be a normal approach but the number one thing on everyone's mind crypto related and non-crypto related is libra the facebook libra coin white paper was released and we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that specifically comparing it to bitcoin and if you are new to crypto if you don't know anything about cryptocurrency and you think that Facebook's Libra is basically Bitcoin. This is the episode for you because you're going to want to listen and hear what we do to compare it. You're going to want to skip ahead a little bit because we are going to cover some news first. But the bulk of this episode is going to be Libra versus Bitcoin and some of the philosophy behind that. And also, this is our 78th flagship. That means 78 Fridays in a row where we didn't miss any except for that one that was kind of released on a Saturday, depending on how you think about it. And, uh, this is, I think, episode one eighty nine. Man, damn, getting closer to getting closer to that two hundredth episode. What's two hundredth episode going to be? I don't know. We, we got to do something cool. Let's get Craig Wright on the show. He's real fun. Super. See fun. if he'll see if he'll join us for for episode two hundred. Um, we released an episode earlier in the week that was sponsored content, which I know might be something that you roll your eyes at, like, oh, yeah, we don't want to listen to that. Go listen to it. It is pretty cool. It is about the Ember Fund and how they have created a non-custodial fund situation. So they, they have a managed fund where they make all the trades and then they basically tell you what they are and you press a button and you're good to go and you execute all those trades. And there's a lot more to it. Listen to that episode. I've got Alex Wang, the co-founder, on for that episode. It was really cool. Uh, coming up on Monday or Tuesday, might be Tuesday, we have IOST. That interview was done. And we are, it's IOST 101. So if you're interested in how that token works, it does not mean iOS like Apple iOS, Adam. I know you're thinking about that because you're part of the Apple cult. Oh. But it doesn't at all. It's not what it means. You want to find out what IOST stands for? Tune in. All right, I will. That's it. I mean, that's what's coming up. That's what we've released. And now we're going to do, most of our news is going to be covered here in the rapid fire section. And then we're getting on to the Libra our top story of the weekend we've got john oliver coming in to actually do the story which is pretty cool that he joined our podcast and uh that's it so let's do some rapid fire all right well uh i wanted to get started on a a bit of the sweeter side i know bad pun but the uh, (laughs) apparently you can buy honey from portugal using cryptocurrency it's it's on some website called coin y space i don't really know how to say it it's coin space coin e space i mean i yeah okay coin e space.com and 
apparently there's a bunch of different merchants on there where you can decide you can buy gems you can buy underwear from frankenbeans if you wanted Ooh. and the, but yeah the one that popped up was a uh, dr apis apis and you can buy chemical free organic high grade honey from portugal and get it delivered to your door with an array of different cryptocurrencies so i thought that was interesting you know small amount of adoption that's great to see is of course and the next part of rapid fire wait wait, wait. It, hold on what's I, up? I know this is rapid fire but first of all do you think that's dr api instead of dr oppy i mean no because it's portuguese so i would i don't think it'd be dr api S. all right i didn't it's, know if it was like you know it's it's spelled dr dr capital a p i s so the yeah i guess the s was silent when i said it like apis all right all right dr right. apis that makes sense also I don't know. if you're portuguese or you know you, you you're brazilian and you, and you know how to speak portuguese let us know and and one other question for you adam you mentioned that you could buy underwear on the blockchain or with blockchain here or with t- technology cryptos right you mentioned a type of underwear i'd never heard of but everyone's really specific on their underwear what is your what's in your wallet down there what do you what is your <laughs> underwear of choice uh i'd say that it's a uh definitely under armor boxer briefs i don't know how people actually wear tidy whitey underwear like at all <laughs> Uh, it's so restrictive. Yeah, and boxers were great for a long period of my life, but you know, I just had to upgrade to some Under Armour boxer briefs. They're really comfy. They stretch. Just uh, yeah, it's good. I like it. What about you? I wear ex officio boxer briefs. I also upgraded to boxer briefs at some point when I was like, I don't know, twenty one basically to prevent chafing and i never went back but then when i finally bought a pair of ex officio uh give and goes they were like 15 dollars for the pair so i was looking at it like why would anybody spend this money and now i have like 10 pairs of them and i don't wear anything else so there you go and change this- your life frank and beans if you want to uh <laughs> sponsor the the underwear podcast that we have now uh Yep. Change Always into. happy to have underwear sponsors and, you know, we and do underwear giveaways. So reach out to us. <laughs> All right. Continue on. <laughs> okay. Fire. Yeah, I, I was ready I to like go it. and you were like, no, 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 no. We got to talk about underwear for a bit in this rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when this article came out, uh, June 17th, 2019, it was actually the one year anniversary of when the first version of the ERC 1155 multi-token standard you know the basically those are the non-fungible tokens i'm pretty sure right and where can you get those adam you can get those on the patreon of our show crypto basic podcast yeah your patreon member you get some of these just join patreon and get us your engine wallet and we will send you these non-fungible tokens so you can test out erc 1155 on your own Look how far I've come. I was able to answer that question. To, you know, Maybe earlier I might have just blown it and been like, I don't know, Brent, tell me. But the new rapid fire is like each story has a little ad attached to it. So we had an underwear ad. We had a, <laughs> this is the shill. Patreon ad. This, welcome to the shill cast. Funny enough, this is a callback to the engine 
episode, the Engine 101 episode. It was actually the first one that I was on probably about a year and a half ago. Yep, that's and, when you a special guest. Yeah, and you said a name that you did not pronounce correctly, but that's who it was uh, written by. Vitek Radomski. I don't know if you remember when... when uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure I got that one you, wrong. But that one's not even fair because it's with a W. But, uh, yeah, so he wrote this article, and apparently now it's just the... It's like the Ethereum, official Ethereum token standard, which is pretty cool. And, I mean, it's just good to see Engine. I mean, I, I'm an Engine fanboy, and uh, it's just good to see them. It's good to see Ethereum adopting it. And it, it's just... It's good for all these assets that are not act that do have value but are not currencies or tokens, you know? Yeah, engine's definitely that. super cool. They they were interestingly enough, I don't know if you listened to that Ember fund episode, but their primary fund only holds four coins. They hold engine and they hold basic attention token, Litecoin, and uh one called Dent that I don't know anything about. But based huh. on the other three, I was like, damn, I want to learn about that last coin but uh yeah it was still it engine really does seem to be doing things pretty well and you know you're not getting decentralization that you want from bitcoin with engine we've been over that a million times but that doesn't mean they're a bad project you just have to understand your trade-off profile the uh, nba draft is actually going on as we're recording this and i would zion go one yes zion went one but i'd probably take i mean engine would probably be in my uh you know first three i'd say Maybe we're working on something where we might end up doing a draft. I don't know. Just a little spoiler. We don't know. We're working. We don't know. Working on a little something behind the scenes, folks. Yeah. So uh, continuing on, I actually found it was pretty much. I think it was either the day that Libra was released or right before it. Basically, some Redditor photoshopped. And this will. You should definitely check this out in the show notes because it's pretty hilarious. Photoshopped a Libra Cash SV <laughs> coin, and all it says it's just it's just Libra Cash SV, and then it just says Roger Wright, and then in quotation marks it says Libra Cash SV is the real Libra coin. And I really I think the username is Cripulous. That guy just deserves all the upvotes. I think it's hilarious. And, uh, yeah, I mean, leave it to Reddit to just, you know, you could always depend on Reddit for, for something extremely funny coming out of there. Wow. This crippulous guy has 93,000 karma on Reddit. Good job, dude. He's, he's definitely got some, and he only got 334 from this post. So he's, he definitely is doing things right. The first, the top comment on that post, by the way, is Craig Wright, but it's spelled wrong. W R I T E. Is the real Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then the last thing from the, uh, this uh, continually, I mean, consistently not so rapid, rapid fire. Uh, Ethereum 2.0 is planned for launch January 2020, January 3rd, 2020. And I feel like we just see so many, hey, this is X 2.0, X, you know, this is a the internet 3.0. I'm like, ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I've also heard so many planned release dates yeah. for Ethereum 2.0. I'm desensitized to it at this point. Yeah. So we hope that this is when it gets released and this is uh, when proof of stake gets rolled out and it gets enabled. We sure hope that this actually does come to fruition, but we'll believe it when we see it because, you know, as just, I mean, business in general, things just get pushed back. 
Uh, it's under, you know, roadmaps, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, I'm sure that during the ICO craze, you, you started realizing there were a lot of roadmaps that got, kept getting pushed back and things if happen. If you have any friend who's ever told you about a business idea ever, you understand why all these ICOs are having trouble coming to fruition. There's a huge difference between having an idea and actually doing something about it. And that's that's the thing. Like, Not that I'm saying that Ethereum 2.0 is something they're not doing something about. Obviously, their developers are, and they're doing something about it. But when we're talking about roadmaps and we're talking about hitting these roadmap goals or you come out and you're like, oh, this is going to change. This is Web 4.0. We're going to do all this stuff. Like, And then you put out a white paper. That's just... It's a business plan, man. It's just an idea. You, you know, you, you've got a bunch of funding. Now, are you actually going to do something with it? And for the unfortunate most of the masses, the answer is no. People just don't take that first step. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree, and I've learned that very definitely firsthand. But just the idea is great, but the execution is like way, 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 way more important. Just getting yourself involved and starting something. I guess essentially what Brent and uh michael and tareem did with this podcast you know you guys you guys saw you had a good idea but instead of having a good idea and just let it kind of dissolve into the ether you just you you enacted you did something about it and now you're almost 200 episodes deep so bravo to that don't wait for it to be perfect I tell people all the time, don't listen to our first episode. It is horrendous. Our Dash 101 is really bad. If you listen to those old episodes, you're probably not going to like us. I don't know how anybody even started listening to us in the first place. They did a good job sticking with us this whole time. We appreciate every single one of you. But, yes, the the podcast is, is a good idea, but it's, it's hard work, too. I mean, Mike had to end up not being on air on the podcast anymore because there was some serious behind-the-scenes stuff that we would have to do. And, you know, there was all, he also had health issues that... It just wasn't worth the stress anymore, so we had to get out of here. You know, this isn't exactly a uh, money-making machine, so always just do something, though. Like, legitimately, don't talk about your idea, because if you tell people your idea and they tell you it's a good idea, that's you get all kinds of rushes from that, and you don't do it. Uh, just do it. Just yeah. do something. It's like making Make- a Facebook post where just, like, you get a bunch of likes, and you're like, oh, I needed that adrenaline rush. That's all I needed. Yep. You know, but no, what you need is, is or I think what, what I realized is that I like creating stuff and you know that light goes away very fast but creating something and knowing you created it and it's there forever is pretty cool all right so i don't know we got a little tangent there in our rapid fire section but i knew that was the end of the rapid fire section so it was okay to get a little tangential that's fine uh we've got one little piece normally we do this at the end but it's time for that's a scam yes this is tweet storm from evan m thomas uh i don't know uh, he's just a canadian and don't really know much about him but it came up and apparently quadriga has been was a fraudulent exchange when and was insolvent for years apparently he, they were margin trading i think and they lost millions <laughs> doing that so <sighs> yeah you, you gotta respect this, I mean, not respect it. It's just like, it's almost impressively ridiculous, I guess, at this point for just the amount of scamitude that has been going on with Quadriga. We have covered Quadriga on so many episodes and we've postulated that this was what was going on, right? We know that this guy torched all the money and was scamming and we are fairly certain he's not fucking dead. 
right? He faked his death because he gambled everybody's money away and he had to get out of there before anybody figured it out. But it's interesting that it's all in a report. This is no longer conjecture. I mean, other than still nobody's been able to prove that he faked his death, but otherwise there's no conjecture left here. Like this guy was legit just like commingling every piece of fun that he had. It was all him doing everything. There were no accounting practices, nothing. And there were all kinds of cash transactions. He was transacting with all kinds of shady people. He, <laughs> between 2016 and 2019, transferred 9450 Bitcoin, 380,000 Ethereum, and 240,000 Litecoin out of Quadriga. He, uh, I'm so mad at this guy. Like the, This guy was running the essential, essentially the Coinbase of Canada and the biggest exchange and just didn't have enough oversight i'm kind of mad at canada for not catching this too like how do you run something this big with all of your citizens and nobody decided to audit you ever or look into anything it's uh especially when it's on blockchain but whatever the community dropped the ball here too i mean you could have seen this this is all it's not like we've gotten access to their books the guy's dead and he died with the private keys with him this was all found through blockchain forensics and people figuring out what wallets belonged to Quadriga and what didn't and where they transferred money and where they didn't. I, I do want to just say that this was done by the Supreme Court. The report was done by the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia. This isn't just, you know, a casual, you know, volunteer doing a report or even this is just the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia, which is no joke. Even uh, And this is where they found all this out. And yeah, just so, another scam. To update, there was $214 million originally lost in this whole thing. And they found $31 million of it, apparently. So they're getting, they're finding some of this money that they can actually get at. And then, so he wasn't as broke as it appeared. But yeah, I. this is probably somebody who just was like, oh, you guys are all idiots, buy the dip. And he just went all in on margin and then... We've all made bad gambles, just not with millions of dollars of other people's money. Yeah. It's, uh, <sighs> so, sorry, you know, Quadrica sucks, and uh, and hopefully they never, you know, nobody part of that ever gets involved in anything crypto-related again, because all the people that worked there that had access to anything up to, like, given they're not going to have access to his books, but they're going to know that he's not giving anybody access to the books. So there were there were red flags for those people, and they should have come out with and and talked about those. And I understand the pressures on that, and I know that people face like, what do I do if I come forward? I lose my job. If I come forward, all these other people lose their job. Maybe he'll just make it work, or blah blah blah. But like, if you see something like this, you see a Ponzi scheme, you see somebody scamming, you just have to speak up. If you sit there and don't say anything, it hurts everyone. And unfortunately, nobody ever speaks up in these situations because the direct result is that it hurts them. And as someone who has spoken up in this situation, when I exposed one of the scams, that scammer would tell the people who invested in his company that it was my fault that they weren't getting any money back. He just said, you know, oh, if it wasn't for Brent, them damn meddling kids. So I had a direct negative effect now. And if... So it's just a, it's tough, but I wish somebody had said something and we didn't end up in this position. Definitely. And, uh, I mean, it definitely can be tough because you know that you're going to lose your job or whatever it is. And it's kind of, you know, or maybe they start, there's probably a good amount of 
threats that happened as well, you know? And yeah, the fire festival people are just as culpable in my opinion. They all saw it happening. They all saw the the same thing with the fire festival. They were all there. They all knew that, that couldn't happen and that they were going to end up with a refugee crisis on their hands and they all let it go. That one uh the, the older guy that was like the advisor, he was like, "I don't know, I just kind of hoped he could pull it out." And all this stuff is like Yeah. All the you know, the guy who did it is the biggest piece of the puzzle and the biggest one responsible. But all of these other people that just let it go and they didn't have, they felt like they don't have any accountability is, uh, you know, they, I feel like they should be part of that process. Just like just have blind the faith in, in one person and just expect it to work out. You have to see, you know, they're them doing things as well that seem to be leading in the right direction. And you can't just be biased because you just believe in someone like a, you know, I like like we'll say Vitalik or uh, Elon, for instance, we believe in those people because we've seen what they have, you know, like Vitalik created Ethereum or Elon's, you know, Tesla, SpaceX, PayPal. You've seen these things that have been created that are like kind of just they're they're good on their own. And you but like I don't really but know if, much about the Quadra guy, but I'm just saying like with Billy Mark Feller or whatever, he created something that kind of seemed like it maybe worked, you know? You really have to be <laughs> blind. But if you found out that Elon was the only one who had access to his company's finance report... Yeah, it's a red flag. Yeah, you say something. You say this isn't okay. You don't just and, say, oh, well, I still believe in... There's a reason for why Elon's doing that. Like, yeah. th- the reason is, is that he's doing something that is fraudulent. It's brutal, man. Watch a movie called The Experimenter. It talks about a psychological experiment where they they move the buck down for responsibility. The the experimenter basically says, "Don't worry, anything that you take, anything that happens to these people because of you, I'll take the blame for it. You don't have to worry about it." And people did some sadistic shit. So crazy. All right. So a lot of non crypto for the beginning of this, but I. I'm going to be giving this episode to a lot of my non-crypto friends, so I'm all right with a little bit of non-crypto stuff. I think it's time to talk about Facebook's Libra versus Bitcoin. Now, I'm not talking about a showdown to the death. I want to talk about is the differences between the two, because what I've noticed is the people that have reached out to me over the course of the week, and it's been a lot, and I love that people are reaching out to me. I love that the space is getting attention again. I love that people are coming to me as the crypto guy, and they're saying, hey... Brent, a lawyer from, you know, the Netherlands, what, not really, but, you know, heard Facebook's getting Bitcoin, you know, stuff like that. And it, just posting articles like, oh, yeah, what do you think about Zuckerberg, blah, blah, blah. So here's, you noticed something that was pretty funny, I think, that basically Zuckerberg is stealing yet another thought from the Winklevoss twins. I, what That was you in the Discord, right? I mean, it was it was definitely possible. I definitely noticed that. I thought it was funny that like it's just them going back and forth. You know, yeah. it was first there was Winklevoss twins with the idea, and then it was uh, Zuckerberg kind of creating, you know, iterating on it, and then they bowed out for a bit, and then they came up with you know invested in crypto in Gemini, and now Zuckerberg's like, I'm raising you again. I'm I'm all in now. Sucks all in. <laughs> he definitely he definitely moved all in. So I will say that if the comparison of Gemini to crypto or to Libra is the same as Facebook to whatever the Winklevoss twins came up with, they didn't deserve the settlement that they got. Because in my opinion, I appreciate that the Winklevoss twins are 
or evangelists for crypto, but they've created a shitty product. Gemini sucks. And there was a point when I used it, but now the fees are absolutely massive for anybody who is not an institutional investor and they've made it difficult and they haven't expanded and included with the rest of the crypto space and they're a fiat on ramp, but not a good one. So, all right, you know, I don't like them. So I do want to just kind of take a step back for a second. Can you explain to the users what Libra is before we get into Libra versus Bitcoin, but like, or not the users, but the, you know, the people that reach out to you, you know, what do you think about Libra as a coin? What is it? Uh, yeah. So what I think we'll have, we'll save that for the end, but here's the Libra is being created to be a stable crypto asset. That's what they're hoping to do. And a crypto asset means that it is on a blockchain and it is secured via some cryptography. There are people out there saying it's not crypto. And I get what they're saying, but they're wrong. It is crypto. It just isn't philosophically what we think of as cryptocurrency when we think of Bitcoin. And that's what I'm going to get into here. So the Libra is Facebook's attempt at making a cross-border payment system they are much closer to ripple or much closer to stellar than they are to bitcoin but even either of those they are not similar to so this is something unique and something new that facebook has created so it's gonna it we don't know that it's gonna work out the way that they say they've released their white paper they've released their technical white paper i don't know enough to read the technical white paper so i'm only going to focus on Libra versus Bitcoin in the best of my understanding. So from what they've put out, the number one thing that you need to understand about Facebook's Libra versus Bitcoin is that Facebook's Libra is backed. There is something backing Facebook's Libra physically like gold used to back the dollar. There is a backing of collateral behind Facebook's Libra in an attempt to stabilize it. Bitcoin is not backed by a reserve of any kind that doesn't mean it's not backed by anything it means that it's not backed by a reserve bitcoin is backed by the network that's behind it there are a ton of people that are securing that network and creating a secure space where you can keep a public ledger and you can trade bitcoin for goods and services so right now it is backed by the network and the knowledge that you can trade it for goods and services If you think about what the U.S. dollar is backed by, since it's not backed by gold anymore, there's no collateral there. It's backed by the fact that you can trade it for goods and services and you're required to have it to pay your taxes in the United States. Also, there's lots of other things that contribute to the value of the dollar, but at its core, it has a direct value because you pay your taxes in the U.S. dollar and you can trade it for goods and services. So Facebook's Libra coin is going to be backed. Now, it is going to be backed by a group of reserves and it's almost sounding like it's going to function as kind of like an index fund of currencies and that each of the partners and we'll go into what those partners do and why will be able to choose what they're doing with their investments and it'll either be like the euro or the dollar or government bonds or some really low risk investment 
that they decide to hold and all together it should collateralize the coin so that it doesn't have the massive amount of volatility that you would find in Bitcoin or other similar crypto assets. An interesting statement from the white paper about how they're doing and how they're, what they're doing with the backing is this approach is similar to how other currencies were introduced in the past. To help instill trust in a new currency and gain widespread adoption during its infancy, it was guaranteed that a country's notes could be traded for real assets such as gold. So to me, even though they haven't been super specific about it, it sounds like they are hoping to collateralize it with these assets at first and then move away from that in some way. So I don't think it's going to stay that way forever. I think they're doing it so that the value holds in the short term and doesn't cause a bunch of volatility. I, I mean, this makes sense. You know, a lot of these things that you're, you're stating, it seems like Facebook really was very thoughtful about this. You know, they, they did not just roll this out as a money grab or think, hey, we got to be involved in this space. So let's do something. It seems like this is very methodical. And they're not a bunch of idiots. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about the money grab situation yet. And there are downsides to this. And we're going to we're going to explore them. We're going to explore what the biggest things that I have issues with. But right now, I still want to com- keep comparing the two. Right. So that's how they're being backed. But the biggest difference, the next biggest, I guess, backed and this one are the two big, big, big pieces here. The Libra is a permissioned blockchain and Bitcoin is permissionless. So here's what that means without really going into the specifics about how the Libra blockchain works and how the Bitcoin blockchain works. The quick version is Bitcoin. If I wanted to, I could take my smartphone, download the necessary software and be updating the Bitcoin ledger if I wanted to. Very unlikely that I would ever get a reward because there's not much hash power on my phone and hash power is what you need to make the guesses of the number that would release Bitcoin. So at its core, a good analogy for what happens when people are mining Bitcoin, what they're doing is actually updating a a ledger and hoping that their update gets picked to be the real one for that particular period of time. In order to do that, they're guessing a random number time and time and time again, and the faster computers can guess numbers faster. The Libra blockchain is permissioned, and by permissioned, it means that not everybody can just fire it up and use it and update the transactions. Now, they're saying that they want it so that anybody can fire it up and use it, but not anybody can fire it up and contribute to the network. So when we were talking about Bitcoin being backed by a massive network of people, if an entire country shuts down, Bitcoin being allowed can continue. And it can continue if even one person or a satellite in space is updating it. Now, it's not going to be as secure or as you know immutable if it's only one person, but it can be done. Facebook is requiring anybody who wants to help update that ledger to lock up $10 million worth of funds in order to do so, which means that it is only the rich that are going to be able to have control over this blockchain. And this is to get a node, correct? To get, yes, to get. So there's actually going to be two coins. There's the Libra and then there's the investment coin. And the investment coin allocation is what these people are paying $10 million to get. So they're putting their collateral up to collateralize the network. And the Libra coins are being created and they get an investment token for collateralizing the network. And their investment token will be giving them some of the dividends from the investments. And it'll be giving them 
I think transaction fees, but the investments dividends first will be going to pay the foundation to upkeep the network. So they are attempting to be decentralized, but they're only attempting to be decentralized across groups of people that can afford to put $10 million up. So that's the big difference and the big issue with the philosophy. When you're going to hear people say that Libra is not crypto, the core philosophy behind Bitcoin was that it didn't require you to be rich. It didn't require you to be one of these big companies that are involved. And I'm going to list off the companies in a second. But anybody could do this. And in the beginning, anybody had a real chance at getting a piece. Now, as Bitcoin evolved, there are definitely some concerns about rich people having a big piece of the puzzle of control because there are big groups of miners all get all trying to guess the numbers together. And if they're all in the same page for how they would vote, then they would have a disproportionate number of control over the blockchain, just like somebody owning a lot of stock would. They're, the stock in, that, in this instance isn't the physical Bitcoin. It is the hash power of the network. But Libra does not give any interest in having that many people. Now, they, they have said in their white paper they want to change that a little bit, and I'll go over that. But let's I'm going to list off some of the partners. And, and there was a tweet that I saw that said, I can't wait for a coin with the privacy of Facebook, the, I think, the business ethics of Uber. Well, just find the tweet because it's a good tweet. We don't want to ruin the tweet. Well, I don't know who said it. it, I, it I'll was, just I'll find it. Get let me, get back to me. It was the privacy of Facebook, the business ethics of Uber, and the centralization of Visa. I'm pretty sure is what they more said. More than it, that. It was more. Yeah. You got it. No, but like oh. you know, keep going, and I'll uh, I'll right, young I'll Jamie going. it. We'll we'll put a pin in trying to find this tweet. But Mastercard. PayPal, pay you, which is, I don't know what that is, but. My, uh, oh, wow. That's funny you mentioned pay you because uh, my roommate actually works for them. So it was just like, oh. uh, like I've actually been hearing about pay you a lot. So yeah, they're, I guess uh, Naspers owns them. I'm not really sure, but like, it's like a big, uh, they're not really used in America. They're used mostly outside, I think. And it's just another, you know financial one of those you know i i guess it's like another paypal uh, okay yeah so stripe and visa are in there too they've got ebay facebook obviously booking holdings i don't know what that is far-fetched lyft mercado pago spotify uber vodafone iliad anchorage coinbase um i'm just listing off some of the ones I've heard of before i'm skipping a few Andreessen Horowitz, another thing that I'm not sure. I'm still mad that they had any fucking Duke on their show. Uh, Breakthrough Initiatives, Thrive Capital, and they've got nonprofit organizations that I guess had enough profit to put up 10 million, or they let them in for free. I can't remember if they let them in for for free or not. But uh, Kiva, I recognize is like the the when you invest in women's entrepreneur groups, uh, women's world banking. I guess is probably similar. Mercy Corps. And that's that's there's about twenty or thirty that I, or not, not that many maybe fifteen that I didn't list off but there so there's a lot of partners but there's a lot of big tech names there and it sounds like a lot of the same controlling factors that we've seen a mitigating force to with Bitcoin when we think about Bitcoin's future we think about mitigating the control that these technology companies have over us 
where Libra is kind of the antithesis to that, where they are like, <laughs> first of all, we're Facebook. Second of all, all the second best companies in the world, we're just going to go with them too. So that's all their partners. And again, these partners need to put up $10 million to help run this network. That's what they're doing. They're not, they're putting $10 million locked away so that they're allowed to help run the network, which gives them control over what happens in that network in the future. So here's a couple quotes from the white paper. And these quotes are related to their plans for permission and permissionless to ensure that Libra is truly open and always operates in the best interest of its users. Our ambition is for the Libra network to become permissionless. It's their ambition. The challenge is that as of today, we do not believe there is a proven solution that can deliver the scale stability and security needed to support billions of people and transactions across the globe through a permissionless network. One of the association's directive will be to work with the community to research and implement this transition which will begin within five years of the public launch of the Libra blockchain and ecosystem. So the problem with saying we don't think there's a permissionless network that can handle this and saying, don't worry, we'll be permissionless eventually, is that you now need to convince all these people that put up $10 million that it's okay to release that control to everybody now. And guess who has the vote as to whether that's going to be allowed? The people who put up $10 million. So I don't see a transition to permissionless in Libra's future. No matter what they say now, I do Mm. not see that transition ever happening. So going in, you just have to know that even though they're saying some of the right things about transitioning to permissionless, that's not really on the chain. So again, going on, essential to the spirit of Libra in both its permission and permissionless state, the Libra blockchain will be open to everyone. Any consumer developer business can use the network build products on top of it and add value through their services. Open access ensures low barriers to entry and innovation and encourages healthy competition that benefits consumers. This is foundational to the goal of building more inclusive financial options for the world. So a little double talk here, but what you got to understand is when I'm saying permissionless, I'm talking about updating the network. As far as they're saying, you can build on top of it without requiring any sort of investment token or anything like that. And I suspect that that's what they will use in the future to say, guys, even though our network's not permissionless, you can build something on it any day you want, anytime you want. I do not agree with them that we don't have the technology to scale in a permissionless way. I think there are blockchains that could do a lot and handle billions of transactions, but they're not made by Facebook. Facebook wasn't able to come up with those solutions or maybe even borrow them. Something like the Tangle may be able to do that. Something like Nano. Nothing's been stress tested to that level, to that scale, but it might be possible. Well, isn't that kind of saying what you're like, what they're just saying is that like technology with scaling seems, you know, yeah, I guess it's possible, but good luck, you know, getting yeah, to it's that. possible that in their theory, none of the ones that look like they, sh- they could be able to scale that way are actually able to do so. Uh, but again, I, when you start something like this, when you start it out, it is really hard to get the ball moving in the other direction. It's really hard to make change. It's really easy to set everything up from day one and be ready to go. Think about signing an agreement with partners in an LLC. Day one, everybody's gung-ho, ready to go. By year three, everybody thinks that they are doing more for the company than, they sh- than they're worth, and they're, and they're fighting over 1% here and there. And it's uh, It's the same thing with an idea versus actually doing it you know yeah the idea seems great you can live like you know you can go through a lot of ideas and it can sound great and you can you know but ultimately 
you have to go through it and things happen along the way when you're making that idea to come to life. And this is a massive idea. Gargantuan. Yes. I did find the tweet, by the way. Oh, we got the tweet. Yes. So it is can't wait for a cryptocurrency with the ethics of Uber, the censorship resistance of PayPal and the centralization of Visa all tied together under the proven privacy of Facebook. Yes. Who tweeted that? Uh, someone named Sarah Jamie Lewis, and it's got 19K favorites on Twitter. It's pretty good. It is a very, it is a very good tweet. It sums this up, why I'm having such a hard time trusting it, despite a well-written white paper. Now, I can't read the technical paper. Again, that's going to be for those that are smarter it, than it I. It is kind of like a, uh, you know, somewhat maybe like a boy who cried wolf kind of thing, where if this was something from another company that had never really had the issues that it had with Cambridge Analytica and blah, blah, blah from, you know, over the years with Facebook, then, yeah, you might be like, wow, this could be, you know, the next big thing. But with Facebook, we're just constantly thinking about, you know, the past. Yeah, I am constantly incredulous with Facebook. So going on to more of the differences here. Bitcoin is a proof-of-work blockchain. Now, without going into specifically what blockchain is and does, the proof-of-work part is a bunch of people are putting in a bunch of work, and the chain with the longest and most amount of work put into it is the one that's considered accurate. So there can be inaccurate chains for a short period of time, and they are replaced by accurate chains as long as the network is big enough and acting well. Uh, Proof-of-stake means that the network will default to the people with the most coins for generating the transactions, assuming they have the most to lose by doing the wrong transactions. So that's the quick way to explain it. But Bitcoin is based on what you're actually doing for the network and how it's being created. And Libra is going to be based on how much of the investment token you're holding is when you would get rewards, if there are mining rewards for it or transaction fees for it or something like that. So, Generally, proof-of-stake is considered more centralized. There are some decentralized versions, but the way it works, you need to... Nobody's really created an amazingly decentralized proof-of-stake platform. There are... We've had... Decred was a cool... They had a cool little hybrid. I think IOST might even have... They have a hybrid called Proof proof of uh, Believability. <laughs> so, <laughs> you'll learn about that when you go on. It's It's pretty cool. So, they... So, this is... But the proof-of-work, proof-of-stake is the main kind of one versus two in cryptocurrency with proof of work you generally sacrifice speed and therefore scalability for security of the network and decentralization of having more nodes and permissionless systems proof of stake generally is more centralized is faster and is more scalable and that is your trade-off profile so you kind of want to trust the entities that are running the stake part and Again, like we just said, the ones that are running this, it's so hard to trust big corporations. And it's not like, you know, your average Joe's coming up with $10 million to get a, to become a part I of I mean, this. there's definitely some 1984 kind of results. from. I, I think that the future could definitely go you know, a multi, uh, many different ways, you know. And one of the things I keep thinking about is that, okay, so let's say Facebook succeeds in disrupting all the banks, you know, just being a more efficient way to transfer money around. That's cool. Now what? You know, now <laughs> Facebook just is 
you know, basically has access to tons of data from the users. Ton, and I guess essentially they're somehow holding their mon- the money. And what is it just going to be? You know, uh, the uh, Zuckerberg is the king of the world. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like Adam. Even though we're calling these Libra on this whole episode, I think from this point forward we need to call these Zuckbucks. Zuckcoin. Zuckbucks. Zuckbucks. Zuckbucks is. I want. I want a stupid name to stick just because I'm being annoyed at Facebook again because I've been so careful with what Emperor Zuckerberg. So a little bit more of the comparison. Uh, they made a brand new language, computer coding language for this blockchain called Move, and it allows them to do smart contracts, which is not really possible the way Bitcoin's written. So you could write on top of it, but in the main Bitcoin co- core code, there's no way to do a smart contract. And a smart contract basically means if Wallet 1 does one thing, Wallet 2 does another thing, then the money that's in the middle will do certain things. And you can program all kinds of stuff. The sky's the limit. But... We could say use a smart contract as an escrow. If person one puts in a certain amount of money and person two puts up the deed to their house and they're both there on the blockchain, they release the deed to person one and the money to person two, but not before they're both there. See, that's amazing if if this is, you know, implemented. Well, yeah, it's amazing for any smart contracts. You just have to have something on the blockchain that represents a deed. So it's tough. Yeah, that requires governments get on board and that kind of thing. But that is kind of the future. And and right now there's a lot of like betting that's done with it um, and you use like oracles to figure out who won the bet and that kind of thing. But so they made a language called Move. Now, with any new language, there are going to be a lot of issues. One, there's going to be less people that can develop it outside of the Facebook ecosystem is like a just a primary issue. Two, there's going to be a lot more mistakes made in the code because it's a language that people haven't gotten used to yet. Bitcoin is written in C++, which you've probably heard of even if you're not a developer. You know what that C++ has been around as a language for a long time. That's an interesting difference. So another difference, even though they both claim that they're going to have pseudo-anonymity, and pseudo-anonymity is, is Bitcoin is, if you make a wallet, your name's not attached to that. But if you do enough stuff with that wallet, somebody could find out who you are. If you put it as a donation link on your Twitter or something, or if you have enough transactions with enough things that there's enough data to know that only Brent would have those transactions, you can find out. Facebook's Zuckbucks are saying that they can let you create extra wallets that are pseudo-anonymous. And until some top-level developers audit their code, which they said is going to be open source, we don't know if it actually will be, or maybe it has been released. I don't even know. But until until enough high-level developers have signed off on this and said, look, guys, it actually is open source. I will trust a bunch of them over Facebook any day. I'm going to assume that the pseudo-anonymity does not exist because until somebody tells me unequivocally, no, Brent, there is a way to be pseudo-anonymous here, I see the big reason for Facebook doing this and spending all the money developing this is your actual financial transactions is what they don't have right now. PayPal has it. Venmo has it. Square has it. Stripe has it. They don't. They tried. They put money in Messenger. I've used it before. I've used it like once or twice to pay out fantasy football leagues or something. But they only they only scratched the surface with that. Nobody was really using it. So they don't have... The ability for somebody to go swipe on Newegg or go to 
Amazon and use their card or anything like that. So they are trying to get that last piece of the data puzzle. And data is what's worth the money. So the people that are investing these millions of dollars, they're not going to get a whole lot of return on their investment. In fact, they're probably going to be much better off in the stock market, the way I understand it. But maybe because they get to be a part of the Libra Foundation, they get access to the user data for these monies. And that's dangerous. The last people in the world that I want to know where I spend my money are all of the companies that I listed before. See, this is exactly kind of my pause, or I guess it's, uh, I'm feeling like I really am, am pumped for this, but also kind of apprehensive about it at the same time. You yes. know, because, yeah, like you're saying, if Facebook does gain now access to, you know, your money transactions and stuff, it's a lot of, a lot of things that they can do with that that's a lot of data but at the same time maybe privacy is just like not really a thing that's going to be you know uh, like long for this world kind of thing if that makes sense we need we need to fight for our privacy because the the more it becomes not a part of the world the more we get closer to georgia orwell's dystopian futures and it sounds you know the sky is falling chicken literally but the Imagine having to explain to somebody why you spent $17 on, I don't know, call it a porn site, call it a, like a cam girl or something. Like you tip the cam, cam girl $17 and now that information is out there and you need to explain to everybody why you did that. Well, you know, I like tipping cam girls or whatever. Okay. But why did you tip this one? She's kind of, she doesn't look anything like your girlfriend. Does that mean you don't like your girlfriend? Does that mean... How did we get to cam girls? Uh, <laughs> I'm just mentioning a transaction that you might not want somebody oh, to see. Oh, okay. There's plenty of transactions you might not want somebody to see. Let's say you're trying to lose weight. Or let's say you're a, an influencer that has built a brand around being fit. And you go to the store and buy ice cream. Or you go to Dairy Queen. And that transaction is now on your public ledger. What if you now need to explain that to people? As far as I'm like, you can be a fitness influencer. You can have cheat days and be fine. But if somebody's yelling and they're like, I'm buying your product and you're eating ice cream, that's disingenuous. They're not wrong. If you didn't tell them you bought that ice cream and you weren't transparent about that, then now all of a sudden you're in a position where you're defending yourself and you're having to signal with every single purchase you buy. And most of the time people will say, it's okay. I don't mind people seeing what I spend money on. I have nothing to hide. Well, okay, but what if you don't need something to hide? What if you just don't want somebody, you don't have anything you want to share? Your financial transactions, especially cash right now, are kind of the last piece of a privacy puzzle. And once that's gone, if you lose the ability to have privacy, at least some kind of privacy on those transactions, you're now needing to signal on your social media. You're needing to signal on your LinkedIn. You're needing to signal in your emails. You're needing to signal at every point in your life. And it makes it harder and harder to be you, and it makes it more and more likely that you will fall victim to the thought police at some point. So it's tough. It's very, very tough. And the way I see it now, I see this as a move not for Facebook to be benevolent to the world and give them something great. I see this as a move for Facebook to get more of a perfect picture of what makes a human machine work. And we've already, we've already seen that with data, 
Facebook, Cambridge, anybody can really affect how you think and they know how likely you are to do something even now without the financial data. So think about an advertiser, how much they would pay to know exactly who is spending money on camp girls. I believe that, but it's not like we're going to turn into, we're going to all of a sudden be completely controlled. If they have our financial data, they like, we can still just log off from the computer and walk outside, you know, like there's, it's not like, so yeah, I guess to some extent, but also, so I just kind of like to, you know, I don't want to just give in to what you're saying. I mean, I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, but also when I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling and I'm like, oh, look, I actually needed those blenders glasses, those, those sunglasses <laughs> or whatever. And like, I need a pair and now I'm getting half off because of it over. Isn't that just good targeting? You know, like, yeah, obviously it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, but I didn't have to go to the mall now and that's actually saving me time by giving up some information so like i get yeah okay maybe you don't want certain things out there of of all your life but maybe also that doesn't really matter that you go and spend some money on cam girls or something in the big scheme of things and we should all just move fast that and it really shouldn't affect anyone i don't think it should matter it shouldn't matter so if it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. You know, but what if your boss thinks it does? Well, that's the thing. What if we get to a point where it's just like there's no privacy and now that doesn't matter? Now you're looking at, do I make this transaction with my pseudo-anonymous wallet and worry that somebody can put the pieces together and instead of coming to me with a P video from Russia, they come to me with saying, hey, you paid for cam girls that have red hair. Your girlfriend doesn't have red hair. I'm going to tell your boss. I'm going to tell your girlfriend unless you pay me with Bitcoin because it's private. So, you know, there, there's a lot that there's so many instances where I could explain w- why privacy would be something that's important. And it's it's tough to hate. I don't want to just be hating on Facebook to hate on Facebook. I dislike everything Facebook has done to this period of time, even though they've started to switch their messaging to we value users privacy. I just don't I just don't believe them. Mark Zuckerberg is not a moral human. He stole the idea of Facebook. Hey, he's out there with his quote saying that these people are fucking idiots for giving me their information. That There is a lot. And given he was a lot younger and people are allowed to mature, but he hasn't shown us any of that. So the last thing in the world that I want is to go from the Federal Reserve, which to be fair, I believe the way governments work is extremely corrupt to something slightly less corrupt, but more powerful. It's not the, not a trade-off I'm willing to make. So... I get what Libra is going to do for the space. It is not a direct competitor to Bitcoin. It's going to be in a different piece of the puzzle. But I would rather use something else. I'd rather use a DAI. I'd rather use some other stable cryptocurrency than Facebook's coin. But I don't think the general public would. I think my distaste for Facebook and the distaste for Facebook that I perceive from the cryptocurrency community does not transfer to the community at large. I don't think that 90% of the people that I know in my life that are on my Facebook. It's mostly contrarian and maybe not contrarian, but most people just do not have the time to concern themselves with it kind of thing, even though maybe they should. Yeah, um, they have your thoughts. They they think, look, I get what privacy means. No, matters. I don't even think that they necessarily have many thoughts on it. They're just kind of whatever about it, you yeah. know. And they're they're all into Facebook, but what we do have going for us 
as far as like I'm calling us as in like the human society is that I believe Facebook is becoming less and less cool. And that is more. They have Instagram and they have WhatsApp and they have Oculus and they're constantly buying more companies like Facebook is uh, basic. Instagram is currently cool. I agree that unfortunately Facebook is becoming less cool. Instagram is unfortunately still pretty cool. I think I, I don't know. I, I, I have exactly one picture on Instagram, so I don't know. I never logged into it. Well, actually, I think I even did just to see that I had one picture. But I'm hoping that some competition comes and the the people younger than us move away from that. So are you saying that you're for – so basically, I guess, almost the first day that Facebook, on the 18th when it came out, immediately there was – I saw – something from maxine waters uh from in the, in the she's in the com- i'm sorry i'm not like I, i've definitely heard her name but i'm not exactly sure of exactly what her position uh, is she's in politics yeah i just wasn't sure if she was in congress or the house or whatever she's one of the people that uh the, that one bomber sent bombs to i'm pretty sure yeah so she um she just urged she immediately came out and urged Facebook to pause the cryptocurrency project. Also, the UK came out and, and said something similar as well. So basically what you're saying is you don't you want Facebook Libra to be around, but you also don't want like because it's a it's like the lesser of two bad versions of a financial system. Yeah, I, and again, it's it's almost like the lesser two evils. I don't even know like if I want Facebook's Libra over banks. I probably do based on their based on their white paper. I would take it over banks, but it's it is interesting that nobody, no lawmaker has really come out and been like, let's ban Bitcoin. But they have come out and really said. I mean, they have, but they haven't really. They nothing credible. Here they're saying we need to stop this now. So Facebook made a big enough splash that. Yeah, Maxine Waters is saying, "Don't you know? Hold up. Let's look at this from and a regulatory these were, standpoint." These were definitely uh, premeditated. This is like a, a "Hey, we're we're watching you" kind of thing to to Libra, and I expect there to be a lot more building as the year progresses and we get closer to the launch. And I think we'll see how it goes, and I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, according to Lydia Biode, there's a Senate hearing scheduled on July 16th for the crypto or for the Facebook thing. <sighs> so, again, there's also all these different angles and how the future could play out. Facebook could intend to be permissionless. They could intend to be private, but they might end up in a regulatory space where they're not allowed to do that. And I could easily see a regulatory space where the Facebook or the Libra Foundation says we're not having any transactions with Cuba which is not the open permissionless thing that we're, we're looking at in cryptocurrency. You want to send Bitcoin to somebody in Cuba, you can. It doesn't matter if you're an American citizen. You are technically violating the, um, you are technically violating the embargo, but nobody could ever catch you. If you I mean, if you did it right. Uh, if you send money to North Korea, you would be fine. You, nobody would have anything to, they wouldn't be able to do anything about it as long as you didn't attach any of those points to your pseudo-anonymous wallet. I don't see that happening with Facebook's coin here. And I again, someday we will have a developer on the show who can really look at that technical white paper and maybe either assuade my fears or really dig in and be like, no, 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 you're right. This is bad. But for now, I felt like this was the big story and it decided we needed a lot of attention. So to wrap up, Facebook and Bitcoin are extremely different. They are 
two sides of a philosophical coin on many instances. They don't compete with each other, and the Libra coin has a lot of concerns with it that it could be okay with. Also, lawmakers are already taking notice and trying to work out regulations with this. So it's going to be an interesting story to watch. We probably won't give it this much time on another episode, but we will... We will definitely be covering, you know, as there's more news and and more resistance and more things kind of come out uh, week by week. So if you want to send the Crypto Basic Podcast $10 million, we are happy to become a member of Facebook's uh, 100 founding members. You will get some ERC-1155 engine token or uh, Crypto Basic uh, tokens that were minted, uh, you know, through through engine. Well, you know what, Adam? Just because it's $10 million, I think we'll send two. Are you all right with that? Yeah, I mean, I think they deserve it. Yeah, okay. So you send us $10 million. We will become a part of this and we'll start fighting for you, the people. We'll start fighting for you to to not get screwed over by this Facebook coin, and we'll pound our shoe on the table and we'll do whatever it takes. Uh, just send the you know, hit us up. We'll send you an invoice for ten million. We'll be good to go. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. So that is <laughs> that's it. That's it from the Crypto Basics Studios. We would like to remind you to please check out our Patreon. We are being kept afloat by that Patreon. It's super nice. If you didn't listen to that episode on um, Ember Fund, please check that out. More listens for that episode, the better. That We really would like it if their investment in us pays off. Uh, we also have a referral link, which is going to be in our show notes for every show for the next, I believe, two months. And you'll be able to sign up with Ember Fund there, and you can. Uh, and we get a little kickback from that. It's not much. I can't remember what it is. But more importantly, I want you to use the link so that they can see that our audience was smart enough to realize that a non-custodial fund was good. Uh, also, please join our Discord. A lot of great conversation goes on in the Discord and a lot of uh, a lot of trolling, mostly talking about how Adam likes Tron. <laughs> and um, you can follow us on Twitter. Adam is the Twitter champion. He's at Ruthless, R-O-O-T-H-L-U-S. And I am at Brentity. And, of course, we are at Crypto Basic Pod. So check us out on all of those mediums and we'll see you on Monday or Tuesday, depending on when I decide to release that. So make sure your notifications are on for iOS T 101. And finally, Adam, you ready to give us that, uh, that outro? You got that? I'll do my best. Uh, we are not financial advisors. We are just idiots. We yes. are just, you know, this is not financial advice. This is just us giving our opinions and uh yeah I, I maybe i missed a couple things but brent can do the rest if i did all investments have inherent risk there we go please never invest more than you can afford you, more than you can afford to live and do your own research don't just take our word for it all right so signing off with trepidation about facebook i've been brent philbin and i'm here with adam levy see we'll you guys see later